This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cheeseheads. Cheese Get on your feet. It's Curd and Long. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. Hey, Sparky Fighter, twelve fifty a.m. The Fan in beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio. You can follow that guy right there, Ryan Horvath. That MGM tonight. Uh, we uh, with Patricia Crick and uh, Ryan. Uh, what it? Uh, shoo. Uh, but more importantly, Saturday morning. That's where you catch Ryan Horvath all by his lonesome self with interviews, guests college football knowledge you're not going to find anywhere else on your radio dial uh and again check him out uh, 8 a.m central 9 a.m eastern on your betql radio stations including in milwaukee on the weekends on 12 50 a.m the fans saturday mornings at 8 a.m give him a shout give him a call tweet at him at ryan horvath uh okay on the last episode of kurt and long my guy uh, ryan horvath was none too happy he came unhinged a couple of times uh tweeted out a video of one of the moments where uh, he lost his ever-loving mind uh, just a little bit we're going to do confident, concerned, and curious like we always do when we preview a, a pack of game packers and Rams this weekend. So we'll do that. We'll get Ryan's college and pro football pick as well. Um, but just before you came on, I wanted to address something with you and see where you fall on this. <clears throat> so my thinking on this with Packer fans is a lot of Packer fans that are probably, I don't know, 30, 35, younger, uh, have never experienced losing before like this, right? Yeah, you experienced losing because Rodgers got hurt, but you knew Rodgers was coming back next year, so uh, whatever. It is what it is. You kind of just move on. It's a bad season if your quarterback gets hurt. Yeah. But with Brett and with Aaron, you always won divisions or wild cards, but you were in the playoffs every year. Now for the first time, Packer fans uh, are now experiencing losing to this point. What I don't understand is that even if you're, say, 30 or 35, you experience losing as a Brewers fan, you went through losing to some degree. I mean, the Brewers have been really good for the last 15 or so years, I guess, 10 to 15 years, uh, more 10 years than probably anything else, 10 to 15 years. Uh, but at some point, as a kid growing up, the Brewers probably weren't very good for you. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks definitely sucked for uh, most of your lifetimes. Prior to them getting Giannis, they weren't very good. But for whatever the reason, I'm listening 
to the radio and I'm hearing people saying they don't even watch the games. They're done watching games. They're going to find other stuff to do on Sundays. They're done with the Packers. They're, they'll check them out next year and, and see how they look next year. They're, they're not going to do it. If you go online and look at ticket prices for Packers Rams, if you can't afford to go when they're like $150 a piece, I went online, they're like base value, 50 bucks, 45 bucks. Uh, to get tickets to see the Packers and the Rams, probably get cheaper than that. The closer you get to game time on Sunday, they'll probably drop even more. This to me is uh, disheartening because it makes it it makes it seem like we got a bunch of bandwagon fans um, for the first time ever. And Packer fans were always thought to be those diehard fans, and even when you're bad, people would show up and watch your games. Uh, but I don't know if that's going to be the case anymore. I kind of get this feeling like by the end of the year, you're going to see a lot of empty seats at Lambeau Field. Yeah, probably, man. I mean, nobody wants to go out and watch a bad product. Um, like for me, thank God for the national stuff because um, I don't care. Uh, I mean, like I care, but I, I, Packers, Rams, this Sunday, you see that schedule? You see that slate? Packers are favorite, baby. You think, you think that's going to be TV one, two, three, or even four at my house? Absolutely not. That's like side screen. We'll check it out on the red zone. And <sighs> only because I'm doing the podcast will I watch the replay of that game. I've never cared about a game less than this one, to be honest with you. So I don't blame these people. It's not even just like they're bad. Like, you know, there's bad football teams. Like the Texans are bad, but they have CJ Stroud. That's fun. The Panthers are bad, but you get to watch Bryce Young. Like the Packers are bad, and you have to watch terrible coaching. Like the Packers have a real, real bad coaching problem. You saw that after the bye for Matt LaFleur. I don't know how people continue to defend Matt LaFleur. First 15 off. birthday today, by the way. Wish him a happy birthday, Ryan. Happy first, birthday, Matt LaFleur. Happy birthday, Matt LaFleur. You may be the worst game scripter in the entire league. I got some facts for you, right? Um, on the first 15 offensive plays of the game, the Packers ranked 28 or worse in several key offensive metrics. Um, you know, like – Look at this. Where did the play action go? That's that's what I keep asking. Prior to facing Denver, the previous three defenses the Packers faced, number eight, Detroit, number 15, Las Vegas, number 16, the Saints against play action. The Broncos ranked 31st against play action on the season. The last time the Packers played below average defenses versus play action was back in week one and two. They played the Bears, who were 26, Atlanta, and 28. Those were the only two games where they scored 24-plus points this season. You know why? They actually use play action. Like, what is LaFleur doing? Like, so what's the percentage stuff? of play action plays that they're running in those games versus what they ran in the first two games? Like, is 10% of the offense play action in those first two games, and now it's like 1%? Like, how much of the play action has changed? How much have they really gone away from it? That's my question of maybe you're not executing it as well, but are you calling the same amount of play action plays, you know, week one to week two? Like, what percentage of the offense is it for the Packers versus what percentage of the offense is it for the rest of the league? So, like, are the Packers no. 30th uh, at this point, or are they higher? Like, for example, Green and Growing podcast, we just did this thing on Giannis and Damian Lillard in the pick and roll, uh, and they're 61st uh, in, in the league as far as how many times they've run the pick and roll at this point. They should be top five easily, and Adrian Griffin's coming under fire for what he's doing on that that Bucks offense at this point. So that gives you an idea. That's why I was asking, like, where yeah. do they rank as far as the percentage of what they run? Oh, like all the way down. But like, uh, and, and this is the thing, like this is where it falls on the floor, right? If you look at the Broncos game prior, like if you look at the Broncos, they played the Chiefs the week before they played the Packers. In that game, the Chiefs were five for seven using play action for 100 yards, 14.3 yards per attempt um, when they use play action. 
the Packers going into that game were using play action at the sixth highest rate in the league, right? And then they were going against a team where you could just crush them with play action. On that day, that's the day where I forgot who had the tweet, but they were a perfect nine for nine on play action. Without play action, Jordan Love had a 38% success rate. It was only 12 for 22. With play action, nine for nine, 10 yards per attempt. Without play action, 12 for 22, 55% completion percentage, only four yards per attempt. So then the Packers have two weeks off. They scout the Broncos. And, and so on the season, for, for context here really quick, because I know I'm all over the place, the only time the Packers used less play action in the first half was in their game against the Lions, who are number two against play action. So that made sense. You can't really okay. kill the Lions with play action. But against the Broncos, they only used play action four times in the entire first half. Even after they watched the, the film the week before of the Chiefs killing them, they came out and only ran it four times in the first half. Going into that game, they were using it at a, at a top 10 rate. And that's the thing. Like, LaFleur's scripting has been really bad. I brought up the first 15 offensive plays of the game. This is supposed to be where he's a genius. Packers, 30th in success rate, 28th in EPA per play, 30th in yards per play, 30th and third down avoidance. You know why that's important? Like on early downs, you want to be good. I don't care if Jordan Love sucks on third downs. You know why? Jordan Love as a young quarterback shouldn't be facing third and seven, third and eight. If you're good, if you're efficient on those early downs, then it's Jordan Love facing third and two, third and three. You know what I mean? Where he could use his legs a little bit. Use some the problem play is action. they're having flags on the early downs and they end up in like second and 15 or first and 20 with dumb penalties, false starts, holding penalties, all this type of stuff is killing this team as much as anything else. LaFleur brought it up the other day. You can never get into a rhythm seemingly with this team because penalties always tend to shoot you yourself in the foot. Now, again, you said it. Coaching staff is responsible for all these damn penalties. If you're if you're one of the most penalized teams in the league, you had pointed out that you think that's on the coaching staff more than anything else. So that still falls on LaFleur. Regardless of, you know, the offense sucking in the first half, which also falls on LaFleur, obviously, yeah. too. And one more thing, like, is LaFleur watching film? Like, is he watching or Stenovich? Like, somebody's really bad at their job. Because check this out, right? Um, also, like, going away from the play action. First six weeks of the season, Jordan Love was airing it out a little bit. Average 9.9 air yards per pass attempt. That was the deepest in the NFL. Yep. Packers threw deep 15-plus air yards at the NFL's fifth highest rate. Look at the defense they were trying to hit the deep ball against. The defenses. Number two, Saints at defending the deep ball. Number nine, Raiders. Number 14, Lions. And number 15, Atlanta. Averaging the deepest target depth in the NFL against teams that are good at defending the deep ball. And the only team the Packers had played that was below average against deep passing was the Bears, who are number 30, defending the explosive pass. In that game, Jordan Love, three for six, 85 yards when throwing deep. You know, so then finally, again, you go against Denver. Not only can't they defend the play-action pass, Sparky, they can't defend the deep pass. They're 31st in the league. And in that game, that's the game where Jordan Love, um, on 13 attempts, he only threw one attempt, which traveled longer than four yards downfield in the first half of that game. On 13 pass attempt, he averaged just 2.4 air right. yards. And that's the game where he, he went into halftime and told LaFleur, he's got to try, you got to let him throw the ball down the field. But I'm telling you right now why that happened. I'll tell you right now. Because LaFleur was sick and tired of hearing the questions of, hey, why is this why is this completion percentage so low? Like, shouldn't it be higher than this? Da 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 da. So he said, Okay, I'm gonna just get rid of this argument. I'm gonna have him throw three and four yard passes and get his completion percentage back up. And because I'm sure LaFleur thought 
Part of the reason his completion percentage sucked was because he kept throwing the long ball over and over and over again and not completing them. So that's what affected his percentage numbers. I think LaFleur, now first half of that specific game you're talking about, went in with the idea of, I'm not going to let him throw the ball, you know, way down the field. Everything's going to be within 10 yards and we're going to build his confidence up. We're going to build the offense's confidence up and we're going to dink and dunk and move the ball that way versus taking chunk plays. And as we all saw, it was a complete yep. failure. Last thing on this, because I know we got to get to uh, confident, right. concerned, curious and move on with the podcast, but I don't think you're going to hear this on any other podcast. I think this is good stuff. So LaFleur is either lazy um, he really needed Nathaniel Hackett because, again, like this all comes down to game planning for preparing for your opponent. You don't go into every single week with the same game plan. That's not what the great offensive minds do. You script to your opponent's weakness. And in that Denver game with extra time to prepare, you should have used more play action. They didn't. You should have threw the ball deep down the field. They didn't. And I hear what you're saying. But why is it so important for the for the Packers scripted stuff to be good? Because Matt LaFleur – is not good at making in-game adjustments. This has been proven. The Packers, since 2019, since he got this job, 34-6 and when leading at the half. 86% of the time they're going to win that game if they have the lead at half. When trailing at the half, 11-18. and They only win 38% of the time. So he has to be good with the scripted stuff because when he gets punched in the mouth, when he has to make an in-game adjustment, when it's the NFC Championship game and Aaron Rodgers is on that field, and he's pulling them off and kicking field goals to make a one-possession game a one-possession game. Like, that's not what he's known for. So what is he known for now? I don't but know the that counter, he's a head coach. I digress. The, the counter, Ryan, to that would be, well, why are they so much better in the second half than the first half if he's not making adjustments? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When they never win the game, though, like if they're losing going into the half, they never sure, win those but games. The offense, moves, the offense moves much better in the second half than the first half. Well, this because they're usually trailing big and defenses start playing a little bit more prevent or they start playing a little bit off coverage. Like, hey, you could take the dink and dunk stuff. You could run the ball on these standard downs for four or five yards per pop. We're not going to give you the explosive stuff because you're killing that clock and we got a two, three score lead. And, you know, it's the Packers. So when the opposing team goes on offense, they're going to be able to run the ball down your throat, kill clock, kill you with the tight end. Like, this is the thing, man. Um, it comes down to coaching. It comes down to personnel. It comes down to a lot of things. This might not be a quick rebuild. I hate to be, like, the bad guy here, but it I might agree. not be. Because like, there's, like, I don't – there's nothing to look forward to with this team right now. Hopefully they prove me wrong on Sunday. I bet them again. Again, halftime deficit over the last five games. Zach Cruz has this. 17-0, 27-3, 10-3, 9-0, Those have been the last five games as far as halftime – uh, deficits go. We'll have to wait and see how that whole thing plays out. All right. Confident, concerned, and curious against the Rams. Packers, like I said, I checked BetMGM before we came on. Still a three-point favorite uh, at home against the Rams. Uh, your thoughts on what are you confident in concerning this Packers team going into this week? I'm Oh, man. I'm confident that... I'm confident that Rashawn Gary has a sack in this game. I think that's good. Because he just got paid. He hasn't had one in three weeks. The Rams have a very bad offensive line. 
Uh, you think the Packers offensive line's bad? Last year, the Rams had to call a retired police officer to try to protect uh, Matthew Stafford early on in the season. So I think they're going to get some pressure on the quarterback. It's going to be Brett Rippon. Have, have we got that yeah. confirmed yet? No, Stafford didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, well, it's going to be Rippon, I'm assuming. I would assume so as well. Joe Barry said yesterday he's preparing for Stafford, but he goes, even if it's not Stafford, the game plan for defense really doesn't change that much if Stafford yeah. isn't the quarterback. I'm confident we get a good effort from the defensive side of the ball. I know everybody's going to worry because he just traded one of your better, probably hell, your best corner right now with Jair playing the way that he's playing and Rasul Douglas. You lose a locker room leader. Um, but I think they're going to come out there and they're going to be a little motivated because they've looked like dumped the last couple of weeks. So I think the defense shows up. I think they get some pressure. I think Rashawn Gary, you know what? Let's get wild. I think he has two sacks in this game. Yeah, that's what my confidence was last week and it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to go confident that the guy that uh, – Ryan's been going on uh, off about, and I'm also frustrated with. I'm confident that Jair's going to get a pick this week uh, against uh, Brett Rippon. He's going to get a pick, and he's going to try and show everybody that he doesn't suck, and then he's going to tell everybody how great he is after he intercepted Brett Rippon. That that's that is what I am confident in, kind of going into this game that he's going to have a, a feel good game after the rookie Jordan Addison torched him last week. Uh, concerns. I'm, we, I know we both have concerns. Uh, what are you concerned about heading into this game, Ryan Horvath? I'm concerned that they lose the Brett Rippon, Wisconsin, to be honest with you. Like you can't lose the Brett Rippon, Wisconsin. That's all I ask this season. All right. You've lost to the Raiders. You've lost to the Broncos. You've lost to these crap teams. You lost to Detroit. I mean, they're good this season. You lost to the Vikings. I hate losing to the Vikings. I'm concerned that they lose this game. I'm concerned that Brett Rippon picks him apart because even though that's Brett Rippon, it's still Puka, it's still Tutu, it's still Cooper Cup who's coming off an off game. And I'm concerned that Joe Barry's going to play that soft zone off coverage and the Rams are just going to be able to dink and dunk down the field. They'll be able to run the ball with, I don't know, they could pick, you know, uh, Peepaw out of section 320 and he'll probably be able to run the ball against this Packers front. They're what? 29th in DVOA against the run again this year. So that's what I'm concerned about. They lose to this team of misfits. I think that concern as far as him being able to throw the ball and move the ball, I think is it's very valid because Valentine or Valentine pick are going to have to go against Cooper cup here more than likely at points during this game. And if I'm the Rams and I'm McVay, whoever has Cooper cup outside of Jair, anybody else has guarded Cooper cup. You're throwing the ball to Cooper Cup. On plays when Jair has Cooper Cup, then we'll spread it around everybody else. But any other time, Cooper Cup may have 20 catches for over 200 yards in this game if he's guarded by anybody outside of Jair. So that's one concern. My other concern is pass rush for the Rams getting home on Jordan Love and dealing with that that front uh, with this Packers offensive line. That has not been good at all. This has not been good at all. And I have not heard or seen anything. I don't know if you have. Has he named Rasheed Walker at left tackle for this week? Or has that just kind of gone by the wayside? Because after the game last week, he said left left tackle is up for discussion. And then I have not seen anything all week of whether or not Rasheed Walker is back at left tackle again. Now, I'm going to assume he is because for whatever the reason, they don't want to play Yash, even though they just paid him. Um, but that that that's something interesting. And then Myers inside. Having to deal with the Rams' defensive tackles also uh, can be concerning, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, I'm concerned with that entire offensive line. That's been the other problem for this team and for Jordan Love. I, I haven't seen anything about what the combination's going to be. I don't really feel good about any of them. I, I would say probably, man, I guess you want more Yash. Um, but 
I'm not confident that we're going to get that because he made that mistake and LaFleur pulled him off the field, right? So we'll see. Um, to, to put Rasheed Walker back in, who makes nothing but mistakes on a consistent basis. Again, it makes no sense whatsoever, but you're going to get your quarterback killed. That's on you. Uh, curious. Ryan Horvat, my friend, what are you curious to see from the Green Bay Packers this weekend against the Rams? Yeah, I'm just curious to see, well, what the defense looks like after trading Rasul, obviously. I'm curious to see if LaFleur actually uses a little bit more play action with Jordan Love. Curious to see if they could build a lead on this Rams team. Curious to see if Jordan Love could play any better, because now you worry a little bit about his confidence, because I didn't like how Goot handled that press conference, because Jordan Love's supposedly supposed to be his guy. He's the one that drafted him, even though you had, sorry, everybody, Aaron Rodgers. You still drafted Jordan Love, so I just wish that maybe... You know, Jordan Love's going through a rough stretch right now. Probably the roughest stretch ever of his football life, right? Because, I mean, I guess he had a crappy year at Utah State, but it didn't really matter because the excuse was he lost a bunch of dudes and he was always going to be a first or second round pick regardless because of his raw talent. So I worry a little bit about his confidence because your general manager just came out and said, hey, you know, you might not be the future of this team. So I would have rather had the general manager, the coach, everybody come out and just throw smoke, you know, and blow smoke up our, you know, what's and say, nope, Jordan's our guy. You know, he's um, he hasn't had it easy. This, this offensive line's had some injuries. We lost David Bakhtiari. Elton Jenkins has been dinged at times. We have the youngest wide receiver room in the league. Um, Aaron Jones has been injured. We haven't really been able to establish a ground game. That's what me as a human being, as a general manager, as a leader of men would have said. But Gutekinds isn't good at his job. He's not good with the media. He sucks at his job. And but Ryan, you should be here. I send him straight to Mars. Two middle fingers to you, Brian Gudikins, and you, you hillbilly, Ted. Um, Ted, no, not Ted. Mark Murphy, <laughs> get your teeth thick, you hillbilly. Hey, I'm gonna get me on this podcast. You should have been happy with that press conference. I thought you would have loved the Brian Gudikins press conference because you know what he essentially did. He essentially that was all about Matt Lafleur. The whole, I don't want to hear about us being young anymore. We played half a season. I, I don't I don't want to hear about this team being young. We should be producing. And then they kept pestering him, and he kept saying, hey, they're working hard. That's all he had. All Goody kept saying was, they work hard in practice. That's why I have hope. They work hard in practice. That's why I have hope. He pretty much, he didn't say he wasn't on the Jordan Love bandwagon. They asked him about Jordan Love and the future of this offense, blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, you know, we got the next 10 weeks or whatever it is to kind of prove that we can get better and make some progress kind of going forward. I didn't think, and I still kind of don't, but now I'm curious about LaFleur's future here. I'm just wondering if we continue to have as big a problems as they have with receivers doing the wrong things, offensive linemen mistakes, and everything else, and this offense doesn't get better in first half of games, I just wonder if Goody won't pull the, pull the trigger on Matt LaFleur. That would be amazing. If LaFleur doesn't even get a year with this thing that he gave him on offense and he fires LaFleur to go get somebody else, I would be shocked if that happens. But he definitely was setting up for it to happen in that press conference. That's how I read it. I don't want to hear about being young. We're halfway through a season. We're not young anymore. I mean, that was not a guy sticking up for his coach and the crap he was going through. That That is not what was happening uh, in that press conference. So, that's that's what I got to say about that. I'll tell you what I'm curious about. I'm curious to see Aaron Jones' workload. Did you see the practice film this week from the reporters? They got him in a red jersey. Can't touch him like a quarterback. No contact to Aaron Jones all week long. 
Now, the media looks at it and says they're trying to keep him healthy. There better not be more going on with his health than we know. That's all I'm going to say about this whole thing. Like, th- there better not be him playing with something right now that they're fearful could get worse, and that's why we got him in a red jersey all week. Have you ever heard of a running back being in a red jersey in the middle of the regular season in a practice? No, but, I mean, he's a veteran running back. You don't want Aaron Jones. I mean, you don't want – LaFleur don't want him taking hits in the game, so why would he want him taking hits in practice? So Touché. I think it's just like, hey, this guy's – this guy's probably more important than the quarterback right now. So don't touch him. Don't hit him because we're going to need him in this football game. But you would have to actually use him then if you're going to do that. Maybe that's maybe that's, maybe that's why they got him uh, in bubble wrap. Maybe they're going to use him actually this week. I don't know. I, I think that's I don't think it's anything to worry about, though, with that. All right, let's move on. College and pro picks from one Ryan Horvath. I cannot wait to hear where you're at. And I will say this. I have some stuff. This week, uh, I saved some stuff because I normally in this topic, I just shut up. I let Ryan go, whatever. But I've been kind of watching social media. I'm trying to figure out a good question or two that maybe I can pose to Mr. Bet MGM tonight, Ryan Horvat of the BetQL network. And normally um, I, I use my Twitter and I, I save things. Well, I saved this one and I want you to tell me, John Ewing. Uh, who is, uh, of course, data and PR for BetMGM. Do you know who John Ewing is? I don't know. Uh, Most bet underdogs to win outright on Saturday at BetMGM. Tell me of these three if you like any of them. Okay. Third most bet, uh, Kansas State plus 165. Second most bet to win outright now, Missouri at plus 525. And the most bet to win outright that's an underdog this week is LSU plus 135. You like any of those to win outright like the betters do? I could see Kansas State beating Texas because Texas doesn't have Quinn Ewers. Uh, They're starting Malik Murphy, who didn't look all that great. Kansas State's really started to figure some things out. They could ground and pound. They got a pretty good defense. I do like Texas to win the game, but... I understand why people would like Kansas State with the points or even maybe to pull off the upset because Texas is a little bit beat up. I just think they're too talented, though, still. Um, the first one, uh, I like Alabama on the game. Uh, as a, as a, It's one of my favorite bets, actually, this weekend. I bet Alabama. I just took them on the money line, though. Alabama has a really good defense. Um, if you like LSU, I think the bet is you just play Jaden Daniels to win Heisman. He's plus 325. I think he's been the best quarterback in the country this year statistically you know the only knock is he's got the two losses and one of them's non-con to florida state if they beat alabama um you saw quinn ewers beat alabama texas beat alabama quinn ewers was the heisman favorite so if that happens i think he ends up winning the heisman so if you like lsu you might as well throw that in there lsu just doesn't play any defense and they give up a ton of explosives not only on the ground which alabama started to figure out a run game but alabama also could hit you with the deep pass Jaden milrow he's not great when he has to go to his second or third read but you know, he's a top 10 quarterback throwing the ball 20 or more yards down the field. So I actually like Alabama. And as a Notre Dame guy, I could tell you the games where Brian Kelly's going to win. And I could tell you the games where Brian Kelly's going to have circles coached around him. And I, I'm going to go with the goat here and take Nick Saban. And then for number two, I could see Missouri covering the spread, but I don't think they're going to beat Georgia. I mean, it's been a fun season for them, but now they really step up in class. And Georgia's still the best team in the country, in my opinion. It's between them and Michigan. I mean, they're without Brock Bowers in this game, but Carson Beck, their quarterback, has been really good. He's averaging over 300 passing yards. I like Bama a lot in that game. Uh, I like Clemson plus three against Notre Dame. 
Um, Notre Dame lost Mitchell Evans, their starting tight end. He's a freaking stud. He has 10 more catches than anybody else on that team. They don't really have good wide receivers. And Clemson, even though they are four and four or whatever they are this season, all those losses have been close losses. They should have beat Florida State, should have went up two scores in that game. They have terrible turnover luck, terrible field goal luck. Now Dabo's all pissed off. He's going off on people on his call. That was show. amazing. What a I complete think, idiot. Why would you respond? He resp- It took him like 10 minutes to respond to that idiot caller. Yeah. Why would you even waste your time? Either so way, I'm, I'm taking them plus three, though, Clemson. Perfect by low spot. I think Notre Dame loses, unfortunately, just to screw up my weekend. And then, um, so tune into my show, obviously, the BetQL tailgate to kick off. We'll have more college football picks, but I'm about to bet all these. So I uh, – have these jotted down, and now that the podcast is over, uh, I'm going to run to BetMGM personally and play these props, all right? Uh, Rashad White for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers receiving yards, over 27.5. Rashad White, longest rush, under 12.5, minus 115. I'm going to take Dalton Kincaid receiving yards, over 37.5. With this Dawson Knox injury, now Buffalo's forced to play more three-wide receiver, four-wide receiver sets. They're finally starting to use Kincaid. I think this number is way too low. Dalton Kincaid over 37 and a half receiving yards. I like Elvin Kamara over 32 and a half receiving yards. I like TJ Hawkinson over four and a half receptions. And I like Jaron Hall, now new starting quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, over 16 and a half rushing yards. Also taken my Dallas Cowboys plus three against the Philadelphia Eagles. A little worried about Jalen Hurts and that injury. He didn't want to answer questions about it. And Dallas is number one in pass rush win rate. I think they might be able to get some pressure on Jalen. Um, in that game, though, I do like Dallas Goddard over four and a half receptions. The one area you could attack the uh, Dallas Cowboy defense is the middle of the field. I think we get a good performance from the Dallas offense. CeeDee Lamb's been on a tear lately. And the one area you could attack the Eagles is the slot. CeeDee Lamb runs 70% of his routes out of the slot. They've really struggled to replace Gardner Johnson, who they lost in free agency. So, that's what I like this weekend. Hopefully we have a good weekend and make some money because the Packers screwed us last week. Oh, I'm taking the Packers over the Rams. If we can't beat Bet- Brett Rippon, we got big issues. Atlanta Field, weather team comes to the cold. Doesn't Packers matter. win finally. 20-16. to 16. Sound the horns. Bang the drum. Go, Pack, go. Go, Pack, go. Yeah. Oh, Pat, go. I'm not picking him. I'm not picking him to win another game the rest of the year. Damn. Uh, okay. No, I'm not. Negative. No. I, I, I'm glad I went to my likes for your BetMGM thing because I found a quote that I wanted to read to you from yesterday that I think we we need to talk about quickly here on the way out from Christian Watson. Did you hear about this? Did you see this Christian Watson quote? Listen carefully have? and tell me how concerned you are from this quote. Quote, right now, I feel like it's almost a prayer when I try to make a play. The ball is in the air and I haven't had the success I want to have throughout the game. And it's like, I've got to make this play a lot of pressure on it. If I can just go out there and play me, I think the ball will just fall into place instead of just hoping and praying. Yeah. That means he's in his own head, huh? Uh, yeah. Or he praying? thinks that's terrible. Right. Yeah. That, that to me, when we start talking about praying because he's not had success catching the football, that's that's kind of a big problem uh, at this point. And there was another stat out there, um, and I don't think I saved it. Uh, oh, here it is. Passer rating when targeting Packers wide receiver Christian Watson, Horvat from Zach Cruz. In 2022, 
passer rating was 123.3 when Rodgers was throwing him the football. That is third in the NFL amongst 103 receivers last year. This year, with Jordan Love throwing Christian Watson the football, he has a passer rating of 45.1 when being targeted. That makes him 97 out of 100 qualified wide receivers uh, passer rating when targeting a wide receiver. From the best to the worst in one season and one simple quarterback change. Just insane. Just Absolutely good. insane. It, it really is, man. I mean, it's just and, – and that's the thing. Like, you know, Christian Watson was showing such promise the final eight weeks of that season, and now he's went back to Christian Watson the first eight weeks of the season. Like, I know that Ted Thompson had good luck drafting wide receivers in the second round, but, like, could we get, like, a, a Pickens or a playmaker, a Jordan Pickens? dumb self step out of bounds on that touchdown that he sh- clearly should have had both feet in on Pickens who ended up with minus two yards receiving for the well, yeah. Steelers. Thursday well, yeah, yeah. But, but like what I'm saying is like, you need Jordan Addison, a type, a type like that, you know, Marvin Harrison I, jr. You know what made those second round guys, you know what? Can I call a spade a spade? You know what made Jordy Nelson, Jordy Nelson, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Rogers. Absolutely. You know what made Greg Jennings, Greg Jennings, Rogers. Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Did you ever hear about Greg Jennings after he left those two? No. You know what made James Jones lead the league in touchdown receptions with 13 one season? Aaron Rodgers. No doubt. I know this is going to make uh, somebody tweeted that they have to turn off the pod when I bring up Aaron Rodgers. I'm sorry, but like it's it's Mom's year one with autumn. If my parents got divorced, I would and my dad left us, I'd talk about my dad. If my wife left me and I was at the bar with my buddies, 12 Coors Lights deep. I would talk about the good times with my wife, damn it. I miss Aaron Rodgers. But, you know why? Because he made all these bums look good. From but at the some point, general manager to the doofus owners, he made us all look good. As fans, he made us look good. At some point, you have to move on from your divorced wife. At some point, you have to move on about being bitter about your dad who left your mom or whatever the case may be. At some point, you have to move on and bury it in the past. Otherwise, it's going to eat you alive. Now, again, this is early in the separation process for Horvat and Rogers. It's going to take a little time. Within five to ten years, Horvat should be done talking about Rogers. I'm not guaranteeing it. I'm just saying it's a possibility. All okay. right, check them out again Saturday morning, 8 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Eastern. Uh, catch it on 1250 a.m. The Fan in Milwaukee. Bet QL Radio all over this lovely, lovely country of ours. Follow them on Twitter, Ryan Horvath. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll do this again on Monday. Toodles. 